Support for Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom is brought to you as always by Manscaped for all your male grooming needs. We want to say thank you to our listeners who continue to support the podcast by shopping online at manscaped.com and getting 20% off your entire order with the promo code SUNNYNKC. You guys have helped us fund this podcast and keep bringing you guys Chiefs content every week, so we appreciate that. You already know about the Lawnmower 3.0, the best hygiene tool for the modern man with patented skin safe technology that makes getting nicked a thing of the past. But they also have a nice nail kit called the Shears 2.0, which has tempered stainless steel tools, including slash tip tweezers, round point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. I'm a personal believer in these products, and if you're frustrated with your electric razors running out of batteries, becoming dull, catching your skin, you owe it to yourself to try out Manscaped. Just remember to use promo code SUNNYNKC to get 20% off your entire order. Manscaped, take your grooming game to the next level. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. We finally match up. After all this time, we've been playing fantasy we together. We made it last. Since 2015 in multiple leagues. So we've had the number of opportunities we've had to play in the Super Bowl are probably 10 by now. Uh, yeah, probably between all of our leagues. This is our first time. Yeah, so we should ex- I'll be gentle. We should explain. <laughs> we should explain. This is, this is a special league. This is our cutthroat league. So we started off with eight teams and we're in the Super Bowl by default because we're the only two teams left. So every couple of weeks in the last few weeks we've been doing every three weeks, we've been cutting the lowest scoring team in the league. So we started off, cut it first guy after two weeks, with the lowest score. And then after two more weeks, cut another guy and all their players go on the waiver wire. So our teams right now, are jacked and and just it's ridiculous i mean the projected points total right now is 160 to 168 so we're looking at a high scoring matchup we got jacked rosters it's gonna be fun it's gonna be good it is it's a two quarterback two running back two wide receiver and then two flex player and that's it no defenses no kickers we don't no tight ends we don't fuck around we just do the the standard and it's going to be you've got pat mahomes and aaron Rodgers, the two mvp candidates as your quarterbacks and i've got lamar jackson and josh allen and uh they've both been performing well especially lamar lately but then i've got my running backs are i mean it's just all the best players derrick henry dalvin cook alvin Kamara, and uh, if he ever gets healthy, Christian McCaffrey. So yeah, your running back situation is definitely where I I, have I focused on. I, I just yeah. don't have I don't have a lot of great options at running back. I merely have Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb and Jonathan Taylor are, are the guys that I'm maybe going to fuck with this week. I got Aaron Jones on my bench. I got Josh Jacobs. I got I got James Robinson. I I don't know. I mean, running back is not a position that I have been able to focus on, you know, waiver priority shifts. And so like, if you're at the top on a week when, you know, Christian McCaffrey or somebody Dalvin cook goes to the waiver wire, that's great. You know, great. You go pick that guy up. I have had number one waiver priority exactly once. Mm-hmm. And I picked up Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. So I have Patrick Mahomes, and you don't, but you do have Travis Kelsey, and you do have Tyree Kill. So you, you've got you got some juice there. I'm hoping to negate some Patrick magic against the Saints by having him only throw to Kelsey and Hill. Which, if it's been anything like the rest of the season, that's exactly what he's going to do. Now, what I find very funny about this league, and we talked about this before, is how bad my team was in week one. Like, (laughs) I'm just happy to be here because I drafted a terrible team. Like, it's an absolute joke. I have one guy, I think, on my team that I drafted originally. It's Devontae Adams, who's been amazing. He's been basically – He's been basically carrying my team. I do have Jacobs. He's been fine. He's managed to stick around on my roster uh-huh. the whole year. But, like, I don't know. I mean, like. Yeah, he's been hurt and stuff. I mean, he's fine he, when he's healthy, but. 
he did get me through. He did start the season off hot, and that's important because mm-hmm. it's allowed me to stave off elimination, allowed me to build up some of the talent on my roster. But when I started off this league, this was this was my these were my opening draft picks. The first the first draft. So this is like what I was rolling with the first two weeks of the season. I had Ezekiel Elliott. Okay. That, that was, that was fine for like two weeks and then the entire <laughs> roster got hurt and that became yeah. problematic. I took Devonte and Josh Jacobs in the second and third. So Good picks. those guys are both still on the team. Devonte obviously has been amazing. Josh Jacobs has been, he's been fine. Uh, then I took Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, my first quarterback. I got heavy I got, with those Cowboys. I got, shafted with the quarterback situation right because they're just kept being runs on quarterbacks so by the it's time a two I, quarterback league and eight of us you gotta take I understand that but <laughs> obviously i didn't need to take quarterbacks because here i am and i've yeah. got better quarterbacks than you yeah i drafted correct. tom brady and baker mayfield as my Woo! quarterback Woo! and somehow somehow i survived long enough to stave off elimination and make it here to the finals and then i drafted david johnson i drafted aj green I, I drafted Jonathan Taylor, who sucked, and I just recently picked him up this week. It was basically a who's who of, like, draft busts. But my Cowboys did at least carry me through the first two weeks of the season until I was able to get somebody else's players who were actually better than mine. Well, I'll tell you something. It doesn't matter if the NFL was cutthroat format or the regular format. I know which team would be standing at the end, and it would be the Chiefs. Welcome in, everybody, to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, brought to you by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report, si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs. You can also follow our parent site on Twitter at SI Chiefs. And, of course, brought to you by Manscaped. You heard our ad read. It's almost Christmas time, guys. We're recording this on December 16th. Christmas is uh, nine days away. It's probably too late, to be honest with you. But if you have not gotten a gift yet and you've got somebody in your life that could use some uh, manscaping utensils, be sure to use our promo code. I'm Austin. You can find me on Twitter at RealBirdLawyer. This is Taylor. You can find him on Twitter at Taylor underscore Wit. Taylor, what's going on? Hello, Austin. Not much. Just, uh, you know, excited to be 12 and 1. Excited to be 12 and one excited to be playing in the finals against each other in our cutthroat fantasy league. We've got uh, some other fantasy matchups where we're both still alive in a couple of our leagues. So that's always fun, fun time in the fantasy realm uh, and 12 and one we're, we're entering the home stretch here. We've got a great podcast. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. We got a recap chiefs dolphins, which felt like, like, we watched like three games. So that's going to be like a triple recap situation there. And then we're going to do what is happening. What is happening? We're going to do what is happening. Cause a lot of stuff happened. And then I guess we got to preview this chief saints game, which is just pretty wild. You know, when we got the schedule that seemed like it was a million years away and now it's here, it's, it's coming up. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's going to be probably on paper, the best opponent the chiefs will play all year. And it's a, you know, we're not quite sure if Drew Brees will be back yet. He, so we've, we're going to get into all that stuff about the potential matchup with either Taysom Hill or Drew Brees. It's, it's going to be a fun preview. I'm excited for this game. 
Well, let's jump into it. So we got Chiefs Dolphins. The Chiefs played the Dolphins on Sunday. They traveled to Miami to Hard Rock Stadium, a site that they last visited on February 2nd, 2020, when they won Super Bowl 54. So that was a beautiful thing. Uh, the Chiefs end up winning this game, Taylor, 33 to 27. But it felt like we watched like three separate games. This was like a trilogy. And two of the movies in the trilogy were garbage and one of them was super fun it was like the best movie we've seen all year and then two of them were like godfather part three or you know attack godfather part one had been bad sure right yep exactly you get you get it it was the middle movie that was good i don't know if there's a trilogy probably terminator maybe except i don't know terminator 2 is the best one of the three but terminator 1 is pretty good terminator 3 is pretty bad i anyway it's not a perfect but the peak was in the middle middle. higher we gotta we gotta go through each of these chapters in turn, and I feel like it it makes the most sense to dissect this game in the three distinct phases in which we viewed it. So let's start with the first phase, okay? Uh, just to set the stage here, the Chiefs take the field on defense. They win the toss. They defer like they always do. They force a three and out. Okay, good start. The Chiefs, the Chiefs get the ball. Patrick Mahomes throws an interception and for the second time this year it's uh an interception where a guy falls down okay he's trying to throw it out uh, essentially a screen defender falls down defender gets back up tips the ball and it gets intercepted and i refer of course also to the interception against the raiders in las vegas Mm -hmm. where uh demarcus robinson's defender fell down and pat through the ball, and the defender stood up and intercepted it. It feels like this is a, this is a hack. It shouldn't work, yeah. but somehow it did. Yeah, Pat sees no defender, and he's like, sweet, <laughs> i got to play here. And then the defender goes, whoop, and just stands up. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's like whack-a-mole. It's unfair. Miami misses the field goal. So then the Chiefs go three and out on the subsequent drive after Miami misses a 45-yarder with Patrick Mahomes setting a record. By taking a 30, I, I can't even read it without laughing because it's so ridiculous. He took sure. a 30-yard sack. Yeah. He, he lost 30 yards on one play. You know, when that play happened, I was a little impressed with myself that when, it, when he fell down, I screamed, that was like a 30-yard sack. And then they nice. go, that was a 30-yard sack. And I was like, oh, okay, well, at least I had the field oriented correctly but yeah that was brutal um you take the good with the bad with his his approach to the game which is extremely aggressive it was third down he knew he had to make something happen he knew that when he dropped back he didn't have anything so his choice was either throw the ball away or try and make something happen and he turns to try and make something happen that he always does and uh baker got to him and yeah it was uh it was tough especially after that first pick because you know, that's two awful, awful drives to start. Probably the worst two drives of his career. And uh, yeah, not, not great. It didn't get any better from there because after taking a 30-yard sack, uh, our friend Legolas, Tommy Townsend, could uh, only get the ball back out. Miami ended up with the ball at the 44 of Kansas City, came down, scored a touchdown. It's 10 to nothing. And then just as he did in the Super Bowl, down 10 to nothing, he throws an interception, a second interception. This one at the Miami 38 is intended for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Excuse me. Then Miami gets a field goal to go up 10 to nothing. Yeah. And so Patrick Mahomes in Miami 
trailing by 10. End scene. And then the curtain rises on act two. <laughs> now, I just, I just want to drop, exactly. I just want to drop a little stat bomb on you here because okay. this, this is the appropriate time. So the Chiefs have three horrible drives. As you said, the first two drives were like the worst two drives of the year. Well, then add a third drive that ended in an interception on top of that. So a 30-yard sack, I mean, my God, that's almost as bad as throwing a pick. It's essentially like – it's almost like the Chiefs have gone turnover, turnover, turnover in this game. Uh, because on the 30-yard sack, Miami started with the ball at the 44 of Kansas City. I mean, it really was like they turned the ball over three straight drives. They're only down 10 points. Since 2019, Taylor, the start of 2019 season, the Chiefs, when trailing by 10 or more points in the game, are 8-1. and one. And the rest of the NFL is 68, 356, and 1. So the Chiefs are winning at an 880 winning percentage. So 88% of the time. When down 10. When down 10 in the game, they win 88% of the time. (laughs) The rest of the NFL, when they're down 10 in a game, wins 16% of the time. Okay. So if you have Patrick Mahomes, don't. Don't put him in a 10-point deficit. Don't do that. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know, this sounds like the opening crawl to Empire, where it's like it's a period of civil war in the galaxy and a brave alliance. Like, you're, like, setting up this comeback. It's just very, very cinematic. Um, the I can't really believe sometimes that this team is real in the way that they've gone about it. Not just that they've won games. I've said this exact conversation with you about the 2015 Royals before, but it's not just that they won. It's how they won. And this team just has such a flair for their dramatic. And obviously recapping this game, we know that they go on to win, but like how many times have they, well, eight, I guess, eight out of the nine times Mm -hmm. they've dropped at least back 10, obviously as far as 24 against the Texans in the playoffs. And they just, they just find a way, man. It's, it's uh, so the second movie, why don't you go ahead and regale us on what happened to start the second movie? Well, it was very similar to a movie that we saw in February, uh, a smash hit, one of uh, one of the greatest of all time, certainly one of the greatest of our lifetimes and certainly the greatest thing we've seen in the year 2020. Uh, That was at Hard Rock Stadium. The Chiefs were down 10 and they scored 21 unanswered to win the Super Bowl 31 to 20. Just like last time, the Chiefs in this one reeled off 21 unanswered. And in fact, they they went a little bit better than that. They scored 21 straight to go up 21 to 10. And then they scored another nine points on top of that as well to build a 30 to 10 lead. And we should just briefly kind of go through this because it was fun to watch this. This part of the game was fun as hell. Now this Miami defense is very good. Yeah. Probably one of the best defenses the Chiefs have faced all year. Certainly one of the best defenses in the NFL for sure. They obviously really beefed up their defensive back group. They have Byron Jones. They have Xavier Howard, who's healthy. Both of those guys playing like top 10 cornerbacks in the NFL. To have both of those guys on the field with the defensive line that they have, the linebacking core that they have, just a really impressive defensive unit with Brian Flores at the helm, who obviously uh, learned at the, the foot of Bill Belichick, one of the greatest defensive coaches ever. The Chiefs moved the ball, and they moved the ball – dramatically so they had their first scoring drive four plays 75 yards 21 to travis kelsey nine to travis kelsey 13 to marcus robinson and ending with a 32 yard rushing touchdown by tyree kill who 
that one was it's, hilarious. It's probably the only person in the NFL that could score on that play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, the things that he did to stay in bounds, you and I have talked about it before, but he, he like, he's got like his hands, his hands yeah, are like little it balances. You know, yeah. They're it like reminded me of the Hill Mary play where he it weaved yeah. in and out of the Dallas traffic and literally like had his hand up to, to like, it's not, he's not waving there. He's like balancing himself. And he was tiptoeing on this one down the sideline and it just looked, it looked like Miami should have had him five or six times and he just turned it on another gear. He's insane. He's too fast. He's too good. And so the Chiefs score, and now it's 10 to seven. And you're thinking, man, the Chiefs had like three of the worst drives of the year. Mm-hmm. They essentially turned the ball over three straight times. And now we're down three. And then the Chiefs get a three and out. There's a, essentially a three and out. There was a first play penalty that gave him a first down on Anthony Hitchens, a weak roughing yes. call. Yeah. And after the Miami gets the first down via penalty, the Chiefs essentially get a three and out. They go three plays and force a punt after that, including a really nice seven-yard sack by Mike Dana, the rookie, who uh, really came in. I mean, we've been talking about this for weeks. Where is the Chiefs' pass rush? And I get they're going against a rookie quarterback, um, not a tremendously talented offensive line, but the Chiefs were able to get quite a bit of pressure in this game, and they end up getting a sack on this drive that forces Miami to punt. Yeah, uh, Miami did have two rookie tackles here, so their line was certainly banged up. But at this point, the way that the pass rush has been lacking lately, I don't care what the other line looks like. I just want to see the pressure. I just want to see the wins. I want to see them getting, you know, making quarterbacks uncomfortable. And they did that pretty much all game long. Um, the the They ended up with four sacks, and I just thought that everybody really – contributed along the defensive line and it was really nice to see for sure but unfortunately the Chiefs couldn't turn that one around and they had a quick punt right back to them they did but then Miami goes three and out so Miami essentially has seven offensive plays here um, and no first downs except by the one by penalty and so after Miami goes three and out the Chiefs answer again with a 74 yard touchdown drive right before half and we've talked a lot about the Chiefs' struggles before halftime this year. It seems like every single game, when they get the ball before half, it's just a comedy of errors. There's there's just been so much bungling that's gone on, Taylor, in those situations this year. Not this time. This was beautiful. Nine plays, 74 yards for a touchdown, featuring Le'Veon Bell. He had three touches for 14 yards. Sammy Watkins had a couple of targets. He caught one for 15. And, of course, Travis Kelsey who hauled in a touchdown at the end of this drive to give the Chiefs the lead going into halftime, 14-10. And we we joked about this. Everybody kind of in real time. Now, you obviously, you have the the toxic element of game day Chiefs Twitter. And, sure. you know, that was in full effect, obviously, after the first three Chiefs drives. But we've seen this movie so many times before and we've seen it in Miami. The chiefs are down 10 in the first quarter. It doesn't matter how bad those first three drives were. The score is still only 10 to nothing. I mean, we've seen the chiefs come back from down 24 to nothing, a 10 point deficit. Come on. And so it, you know, people, whether they're joking or whether they're serious saying, you know, the chiefs are probably going to lead this game by halftime. They did lead it by halftime. <laughs> they did just like they led the first two playoff games by halftime. It's, it's a, uh... It's just hilarious because when the Chiefs wield the biggest sticks, so to speak, on offense, when they are the most explosive team in the NFL, the other teams can try all they all they want to build leads on them. But the leads that they build are never big enough because they can't build them fast enough. Because 
if Miami's offense was as good as the Chiefs, this game would have been 35 to nothing or 35 to 10 or whatever by the time the Chiefs got it going. But because the other teams can't put the offense together like the Chiefs can, they look and they say, all right, guys, we're only looking at a 10-point deficit. That's two drives, and we're up back up. And that's exactly what happened. They took the lead. This little Kelsey touchdown, it was a little run to the right by Mahomes, and Kelsey was behind two defenders and just took a couple steps to the side. And he did that same thing that he's done time and time again, which is he just finds the opening, just finds the seam in the defense. Mahomes found him easy. And next thing you know, like you said, Miami played – a damn near perfect half on both sides of the ball for parts of it. I mean, they, you know, they got the two turnovers, they got the 30 yard sack. They, they moved the ball pretty effectively at times, but at the end of the day, when they couldn't keep firing and the chiefs started firing, they found themselves down. And that's just, that's just not how you, you can't beat the chiefs if you can't take advantage of those types of possessions. And they, uh, it turned out to bite them because by the time halftime was over, the chiefs were still firing. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, you really you really don't want to put the chiefs in a position where they're coming back because yeah the chiefs playing from up. ahead is fine i mean they play fine for, from ahead they're fine but when you put them in the position where they have to come back it feels like they're i don't know if it's just a mental thing and i don't know if it's just coaching or if it's the players too but like man, it really sharpens their focus, right? Like they go down 10 to nothing and they're like, all right, well, I guess we're going to pass the ball more now. We're going to stop running the ball and we're just going to pass and and nobody can stop us or we're passing the ball. <laughs> and we're going to go through their throats. We're not just going to pass. Yeah. We are going to break them. We're going to bomb it. We're going to take, we're going to take the underneath stuff when it's there. We're going to take the deep stuff when it's there. I mean, the chiefs get a sack from Frank, Frank Clark. Hey, hey. right before halftime. Uh, one of the four chief sacks on the day. And then the chiefs got the ball after half and they're already up 14 to 10. And you could tell that they were just like you said, that their mentality was okay. Well, like it's not what I love about the chiefs is as soon as the switch is flipped, <laughs> it doesn't go off until you're dead. No, they're like, right? the like they're down 10 to nothing. All right. And they're like, all right, well, I guess we better, I guess, guess we better try now. Uh-huh. And they get up 14 to 10 and then they come out of half and it's like, all right, I guess they're we're still just pissed. Keep, we're they're still pissed. It's like they're still down ten to nothing, uh-huh. and they don't turn that switch off until until they're dead. And so this this drive right out of halftime was hilarious. Yeah. First, the first play of the drive went for twenty six yards. Clyde edwards Hilaire on the left sideline. Beautiful play by Clyde. Something that we haven't seen as much as we thought we were going to see this year mm-hmm. with him being involved in the passing game. But I think it's possible yeah. that we're just saving it. I think so too. I think we've thought that the whole season because of how literally how little they've used him, not just that it hasn't been effective, but it's like they've refused almost like they don't want to put anything on tape of what they want to do with Clyde in the passing game. And it's just, it's such a funny flex by the chiefs to be like, we've got this element and we could probably win these games with this element easier than we're going to win them but we're still going to win them. So we don't need to use this element until we absolutely want to take people by surprise. And it just feels like that setup. Now, maybe part of that is our sort of, I don't want to say arrogance as chiefs fans, but like we're so pampered by the offense that we just think like they've always got something else in the, in the back pocket, but they usually do. So, I mean, it's, Hmm. you know, we're, we're pretty justified in that thinking, but this one in particular, right when Clyde got the ball, he just made about four dolphins miss and look silly. And it just got, it got me very excited for 
you know, his, his potential in the offense, because it's not just a middle handoff to Clyde where you see him shine. It's out in space. He's a, he's slippery. Yeah, he is. And, you know, everybody knew when the Chiefs drafted Clyde that this is this was why they were drafting him. Yep. It's not necessarily what he was going to do between the tackles, but what he did at LSU as a receiver. And you know teams know that, but they don't have a lot of tape of him catching passes in the Chiefs offense because the Chiefs haven't put it on tape. So what are you going to do? Are you going to go back and study LSU tape just to see Clyde Edwards Hilaire catching passes from Joe Burrow in a college game? I mean, yeah, I don't help you much. I, I, I assume that they do some of that work, uh, probably especially early on in the season when they don't have tape on him. But you think now, I mean, 13 weeks into the NFL season, they're not going to go back and watch LSU tape of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. That's just like, like not something that that they're going to be prioritizing or doing. And so when the Chiefs start throwing out these fun little concepts with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and getting him involved in the passing game, it's not on tape. And you don't have teams studying it. I mean, like, on some level they know, well, the Chiefs can throw the ball to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But, like, any team in what? the NFL can throw the ball to the running back. But it's what? they they work on, on – a lot tendencies, you know, yeah. they say when they're in this formation, 90% of the time it does this or 60% of the time they, so that the defenders, when they're in that formation, they can kind of click in their minds and go, okay, we've seen this formation. We've seen them line up like this. Usually it's Sammy over the middle or something like that. And so then they're not keyed in on, on Clyde. And it's just, Andy's just always one step ahead. He's just a genius. And this just looks like he's setting up to, uh, to knock some people over with this. So we geeked out about this pass to Clyde Edwards Hilaire. The second play of this drive was a a five-yard handoff on the ground. And then the third play of the drive was a scoring play, a 44-yard touchdown to Tyreek Hill. So his second 30-plus yard touchdown in the game. And so Tyreek is now up to 16 total touchdowns on the season, 14 receiving and two on the ground. And the Chiefs now suddenly, after having a 10 to nothing deficit, have uh, built a 21 to 10 lead in this game, which is crazy. Being up 11 after the disaster of a first quarter, that's that's that'll play. We're also talking about essentially like three minutes of. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, right. That's the and that wasn't that wasn't all because the ensuing drive by Miami was a three and out. And they punt the football. That and what happened? Up. What happened, Taylor, when they punted the football? Well, so they punted it to the second fastest player on the Chiefs, who is also one of the fastest players in the NFL. And His nickname is the Jet, and he's not the fastest guy on the team. Correct. But he did definitely have the Jet fueled up before this play. Took it left side, made a couple guys miss, and you could just kind of tell. I mean, I've seen a lot of good punt returns, especially from Dante Hall in the early days, and then Tyreek Hill in his earlier days, but you can kind of tell when this guy's going to break it sometimes. And I felt like Hardman, the moment he cut back to the middle of the field, you knew whoever was there didn't stand a chance, dusted him, went to the house. Chiefs are looking at a 28-10 lead, and it's it's just – it's the lightning strike. It's almost – and, you know, 28-10 was the same score of the Raiders game from last year where the Chiefs were down 10 to nothing and scored 28 points in the second Good quarter. Point. And it just felt like that. It felt like – God damn, when this team is on, there is just no defense, no team, no one in the NFL that can stop them. And they just, this is the best that the Chiefs fandom experience gets. When the Chiefs turn this on, there is no experience in sports like it. 
can we talk briefly before we move on to act three uh, about the special teams? Because yeah. we, we complained for weeks about the special teams. This, our special teams DVOA rating was in, it was in the thirties for mm-hmm. several weeks. Chiefs kind of started to get it a little bit turned around in Denver when Byron Pringle broke the return touchdown. But even until pretty recently, I mean, we're talking about special teams DVOA in the mid to, to high 20s. I mean, one of the worst special uh, teams units in the league. Sure. What do you suppose the Chiefs special teams DVOA is right now? 13th. It is 13th. That is dead on. Did you look that up? Did you cheat? I, I did have some notes on the special teams, both the DVOA rankings and the ESPN Football Power Index rankings, which had them at 20. Oh, uh, what, what is FPI? What's the FPI? 21st. Rank? 21st. Uh, yeah. That seems, that seems low to me. Uh, the point is this. The Chiefs special teams unit has turned it around. And now they're 13th if you subscribe to DVOA, Football Outsiders. They're 21st if you subscribe to whatever goofy metric ESPN <laughs> is using there. That's fine. The point is the special teams have been a lot better. Butker has been nails. The return game has been good. Obviously, since they allowed that return touchdown against the Ravens, they've been lights out on the coverage units. It's a good situation. And I I don't know, Taylor, I don't know about you. I'm always a little bit bummed when we get return touchdowns just because, like – Yeah, the offense didn't get the ball. Yeah, it's a touchdown that Patrick Mahomes could have scored. Yeah. And and that's cooler in the record books. You know, that's that's one touchdown that he'll never get to score. McCole Hardman took that away from him. But – it was pretty fun in real time. Well, and I also – it's dumb to worry about this, and maybe worry is the wrong word for it, but anytime your special team scores and your defense has to go back out there, if yeah. you've got a good defense, then you're not worried about it. But if you've got a defense that can be known to get got from time to time and they just had a drive – now, granted, fortunately, it was a three and out, so this didn't really come into play here. But if the Chiefs had just had a, a longer drive that ended in a special team score, then you're like, damn, we got to send the defense right back out there. But – that obviously didn't happen here. Um, I'm glad after- we're talking about this, okay. by the way, not to cut you off, because no, I, I, I got I to gotta get this off my chest. Get it. I actually hate special teams touchdowns <laughs> for Patrick Mahomes. All right? Like, yeah. I, I, I just, like, I don't or, think I've What about ever, defensive touchdowns? I, I don't mind defensive touchdowns. That's fine. Special teams touchdowns I don't like. Here's the, here's the deal. I, I got to get this off my chest. I don't think I've ever aired this take before on Twitter okay. or Hot on take. the podcast. This is just a, a thing that I need to, it's just as like come into the forefront of my mind the last couple of days. I've been thinking about it. It's been bugging me. I need to get it off my chest. Get so it. like it's, you just laid out the whole reason why I don't like it. Okay. You just spoke it onto the record. It, we have Patrick Mahomes, right? Like our offense is going to score. So, like, we don't need these gimmicky special return. There are a lot of teams that need special uh, special team scores, right? Like the yeah. the mid-2000s Bears with Dave Tobe and I Devin Hester. I the mid-2000s Chiefs. Pretty much, I mean, yes. Well, sure. The <laughs> mid-2000s Chiefs, too. That's, that's fine. Yeah. But even the mid-2000s Chiefs, you know, the, the Dick Vermeil years when Dante Hall was at his peak, I mean, that offense was very prolific. Oh, that's the early right? 2000s Chiefs. I meant more the, the ones that needed it. The ones yeah. that couldn't score without it. Those, I got gotcha. you. Are- gotcha. yeah. So the Bears, you know, Dave Tobes Bears with Devin Hester, like they needed that because their quarterback was Rex Grossman and they had a great defense and a bad offense. Well, we have a great offense and a meh, suspect defense. Okay. Like mm-hmm. we'll, 
we'll call mm-hmm. them an average defense. But like you said, they they can be they can be got. They can get got. And so I don't like the idea of putting the defense out there on back-to-back drives and taking the ball away from your offense and sitting Pat Mahomes on the sideline. Like I get it's a free touchdown, but like yeah. eh, I don't like it. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah, I think it really depends on the flow of the game. And, you know, I mean, if the Chiefs need it, if it's the third quarter and you're down 14 or whatever, you know, you'll, you'll take those when you can get them. But if it's a game where you feel like the offense is flowing and you would like to hold the ball and give your defense a little rest and stuff, yeah, yeah, I could see where the lightning strike isn't necessarily ideal. I do think at the end of the day it's hard to score touchdowns in the NFL and you probably shouldn't look a gift horse in the mouse. But, but it, in this case um, – it's, you know, it's tough. Yeah, listen, listen, listen. This is how spoiled we are as yes, Chiefs fans. We're complaining about scoring touchdowns, right? <laughs> like, it's like, but I don't want this touchdown. Because we didn't score I, the right way. Yeah, I yeah, want yeah. a different touchdown that's yeah. going to rest the defense up and give Patrick Mahomes more passing stats. That's how spoiled we are as Chiefs fans. Yes. Let's so, close out Act so 2. So the credits here. roll on the second movie. And the post credit sequence to close out Act 2 is Chris Jones, Sack Nation. Oh, sure getting a sack on second and 11 from the Miami six to a drifting back into the end zone, CJ getting him for a safety to put After the Chiefs up. Hardman fumble, you know, yes. we, they had second uh, down yes. from the 42 and yeah. Hardman takes it 26 yards to the 16 and they're uh, up 28, 10. And you figure this is going to be 35, 10. This is going to get out of hand. He fumbles it on a really nice play by Byron Jones. They recover it along the sideline. And then like you said, two plays later, it's a safety and the Chiefs get the ball. Which was great because, of course, when Hardman fumbled the ball, I was thinking, what are you doing, you moron? Uh, I called him a dumb bitch on Twitter, which people that didn't get the joke, they didn't get the yeah, reference. People were, upset. people were upset by that, uh, which is weird because I feel like that's my meme. Like, I feel like that's my, my personal meme. You're calling meme. Yeah. But anyway, it, it's not important. The, the point is Chiefs are up 30 to 10. They've scored 30 unanswered points in pretty the nice. NFL, which is, uh, which is pretty hard to do. And the Chiefs have done it a few times in the last calendar year. But, Taylor, take us into the, the dark, twisted third act. The, the third movie in the trilogy, it's like, I don't know, it's like Donnie Darko 3 or something like that. Whoa. Is that even a movie that exists? No, Donnie probably. Darko didn't even get a sequel, but that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> it is a bad, bad movie that never should have been made. It, it's like Anchorman 2 or, or Zoolander 2 or but or Anchorman three or whatever you know. I don't think Anchorman three got made. You need to probably brush up on your <laughs> on your film knowledge. So the Chiefs get the ball. They're up thirty to ten. They just got the safety. The defense is playing. The offense is playing. The special teams are playing. It, it's it's yeah. We're good. clicking in all three. Clicking. Yeah. Everything's firing. There's six minutes left in the third quarter. So there's only twenty one minutes left of football. And the Chiefs, um, after they get the safety punt, they just do a little. Conservative handoff to Clyde, and then a short throw to McColl, and then on third and six, I thought this was a very interesting play call up thirty to ten. On third and six, they took a deep shot left for Tyreek Hill, and look, I, I'm sure EPA would tell you that any deep shot to Tyreek Hill is probably a good idea. It's probably not a dumb play call, but in the situation with third and six with the 20 point lead and with the chiefs moving the ball at will, I just wasn't quite sure that that was a risk that they should have taken there um, because it fell incomplete. And so now you've got a quick three and out after you just got the ball back from the safety and not a big deal, right? 20 point lead in the third quarter should be fine. 
So Townsend punts the ball back. I'm still feeling great. I'm still still texting everybody that I thought we were only going to win 21 to 10. We're already up 30 to 10. Everything's life's good. <laughs> and then the Dolphins. Now they did. Um, they had a drive. They did end up getting down to from the 18 to the 41. They put a couple plays together, but it took them a while. There's only two minutes left in the third, and they end up punting on fourth and 16. I'm again feeling great. Feel, got the ball up 20 with two minutes left in the third. Things should be should be in good order. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. But the Chiefs drive down. They've now got the ball in the Miami 24 yard line with just into the fourth quarter, and there's a another deep shot on first and ten from the 24. Uh, it wasn't super deep. It was a 20 yard pass or so to Tyree Kill, and it was extremely well played by Xavier Howard. One of the best interceptions I've seen. He went up higher than Tyreek. He grabbed it with one hand. He's the leading cornerback in the NFL. He's the leading interceptor. He's playing the best. He is absolutely as shut down, you know, Howard Island or whatever. He, he's been phenomenal. And so then you got to take, you know, damn, that's the second pick by Pat. So he's now up to two picks on the year going into the game or, or three picks. That's his third. So now he's got his third pick of the game here. So he had more picks in this game than he had all season which is a tough pill to swallow. Uh, it's a are, horrible feeling. You and I are texting about the MVP race and about how, you know, I'm sure Rogers fans are giddy right now that Mahomes just threw three interceptions. And, you know, it, it's not – the game isn't at risk at this point. Still got the 20-point lead, but now you're looking we're, – we're box score watching a little bit. and Yeah, and that, MVP race watching. Yeah, and it was great. We've moved on from winning the game to stat <laughs> padding. Yeah, I got bigger and, fish to fry. And you know this would have been this would have been his third <laughs> nice yeah. this would have been his third dolphins and mammals that they're not fish uh, this would have <laughs> been his it. third touchdown of the game instead it's his third pick of the game yes. and this was immediately followed by a goofy touchdown drive which ends with Tua throwing the ball up into basically triple coverage yes and the ball bouncing off of Thornhill's hands into the hands of the Dolphins receiver for the touchdown to make it 30 to 17. And I pointed this out on Twitter. Like I get this ends up being a six point win, but both of these plays back to back scores or or a turnover play. And then the Dolphins touchdown. I mean, there are a lot of parallel universes in which Xavier Howard doesn't make that pick. It's either he tips it and it's incomplete in, in many parallel worlds, that's a touchdown. I, I mean, mm-hmm. the ball ball was maybe a touch underthrown, but it would have been a touchdown if it made it past Xavier Howard. Tyreek would have caught it, and he would have been in the end zone. And or he drops the play; it's an incomplete. The Chiefs still go on to score a touchdown. Either right. Way. I mean, it, it's first yeah. down from the twenty-four yard line. I mean, yeah. the Chiefs are going to score; they're going to either kick a field goal there. I mean, worst case scenario is exactly what happened, which is <laughs> Howard makes a, an incredible play on the ball, and it's a turnover. And then on the other side, they drive down and Tua throws up a ball that should be a pick. You want to talk about PFF turnover-worthy plays. This was a turnover-worthy play. It was a bad ball into triple coverage, and Thornhill touches it, and then it essentially bounces into the arms of his receiver. If that play goes differently, we're talking about the Chiefs, first of all, putting up a 37 to 10 lead, and then the Dolphins coming down and turning the ball over. And it's 37 to 10 with, you know, 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, the Chiefs having the ball. That game looks dramatically over. different. 
it looks dramatically different from the state of affairs that we are, were presented with in this universe, which was a 30 to 17 Chiefs lead. Still good, still good, but unfortunately, I got a little bit tighter than that. Yeah, a little bit. They The Dolphins kick off. The Chiefs, of course, call a run play on first down because uh, they're thinking just, we've yeah. just got to we've got to run the clock out. We've got to do a 12-minute drive where it's all running plays, which is asinine. And then uh, Mahomes does a little check down to Clyde. It goes for five when they needed six. On third and one, freaking idiot Nick Kaiser, who I was – I had kind of forgotten how much I hated. I, and I'm sure he's a good dude, but like sucks at football. Uh, had a false start, so it drops the third and one back to third and six. Mahomes is sacked, uh, which was a little bit of a problem. That was a uh, that was a theme for a couple of their drives that were going nowhere. And so now that drive took two minutes, less than two minutes, minute 47. And they've got to punt the ball back up 13 with 10 minutes to go. You're still feeling fine. It's like, yeah, you know, fine. two score lead with 10 minutes to go is a situation that the other team really needs to execute on every drive from here on out to make it a game again. Uh, but unfortunately the dolphins ripped off a six minute drive. That was, I think 13 plays. Um, and they just dinked and dunked down the field. They had a third and one where they handed the ball off and got the first down. They had another third and one where two is snuck for a first down. Then they had first and goal. Uh, and they just kept, Chipping in, chipping in, and then first goal at the one after a DPI from the one-yard line, which I didn't really agree with. Tua sneaks in. Now you're looking at a six-point game. It is 30-24 to 24 Chiefs with four minutes to go, and buttholes are tight. Yeah, I mean, kind of tight, right? Like, I mean, we, we've seen this drive, uh, like, it feels like a dozen times already this year. It's probably more like four or five times this year yeah. where the chiefs are up two scores. Yeah. There's 10 ish minutes left in the fourth quarter. The chiefs defense decides that they're, they're content letting the other team <laughs> dink and dunk down the field because you know, you're playing it's for a time. Lot of time. The, the that was a six minute drive. They gave up. Yeah. It's a six point. minute drive with 10 minutes left in the game. You're down two scores and you have to give the ball back to the chiefs. I mean, it's not a good situation for the dolphins from a, we're going to win the game standpoint. It certainly makes the scoreboard tighter, but does it really advance their chances of winning the game that much? Because they still have to give the ball back to the Chiefs with four minutes left in the game. And as we talked about last week, uh, the Chiefs' four-minute offense has been pretty good. I mean, this exact situation is almost – it's almost the exact same situation the Chiefs found themselves in in their other Florida game in Tampa, where Tampa closes to a one-score game and they give it back to the Chiefs after the Chiefs have, you know, a pretty commanding lead in that game. The Chiefs get the ball back in that game, and they never give it back to Tom Brady. And so, buttholes are a little tighter than they should have been. But the Chiefs still have the ball up six with 4.15 left in the game. And you know that if the Chiefs score at all, it's pretty much over. And that's exactly what they do. They call a terrible run play. I, I mean, just awful on third and one for the Miami 40. They have 315 left to go in the game. They call the Ugh. run. They get stuffed. Straight I up mean, the middle, no dressing, just a, just as vanilla of a handoff as you can get. I mean, it just – it doesn't make any sense. And the reason it doesn't make any sense is because instead of kicking the 57-yard field goal from there, which honestly at this point I'm trusting Bucker to make again. Yeah, me too. Or punting the ball, which if you're punting from the other team's 40 on – fourth and one don't don't do that and fortunately they didn't they went for it on fourth and one and 
they hit a little sprint out to Tyree Hill mm-hmm. for 22 yards. He goes out of bounds, which was a blunder. He should have obviously stayed in bounds. The cap clock kept running. I believe Miami had used all their timeouts at that point, but you could have called that play on third and one. <laughs> why didn't you call? Why did you call a run up the middle? I mean, I yeah. guess I guess if you knew you were going to go for it, and I yeah, the time I, maybe. I guess give Andy some credit for. I, we're going to assume that he knew he was going to go for it on fourth and one if they didn't get it on third and one, and he maybe had a better play dialed up. I will say the Chiefs' play calling on fourth down mm. is much better than their play Money. calling on third and short. Their play calling on four, third and short is like. Run, run up the middle every time yeah it's it's like i don't know it's 60 percent of the time and it does not work every time they run up the middle but their play calling on fourth down is pretty pretty money and it was in this case tyreek stays inbound so it doesn't automatically ice the game but they do kick a field goal to go up nine and that essentially does ice the game. Uh, yep. Butker hits it from 46, which is fantastic. He's money. You know, shades of week two, or I guess it was, yeah, week two, two. Butker against yep. the Chargers. He's back. Yeah, he's um, he's still good. And I think we knew that we weren't in, like, a kicker crisis when he was struggling. I don't know, like, man. People thought we were. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, I don't think you and I did. Yeah, I mean, they had extended him. He's young. He's shown tremendous, tremendous promise as a kicker. I mean, he's been the second most accurate kicker in the NFL behind Justin Tucker for basically since day one. But he did have the yips, and he did, you know, he's shanked a bunch of extra points. And really, that's the only thing that he's missed. He's missed a couple kicks, but every kicker misses a couple kicks. But it's the extra points that everyone was really worried about. But he... He comes in ice water in his veins. He had been previously, he had been four of six from exactly 46 yards in his career before. So this was a two thirds, a kick that he makes two thirds of the time, which is not guaranteed. If he misses this kick, this is the other thing there, you know, it's a 44 yard kick. If he misses this kick, the dolphins have the ball on the 34 with a minute 12 to go only down six. And that's crisis mode. I mean, that's absolutely all hands on deck, but he made it. The difference between six and nine is obviously one score or two. And Miami did try and kind of come down and, and math it up a little bit and kick a field goal to get the onside kick and then a late touchdown. They got the field goal, but they didn't get the onside kick. So the Chiefs won 33-27. Um, at the end of the day, it's a road win against a playoff-hungry, young, talented team. Yeah, a team that's in the playoffs as of right now. Uh, correct. And a team that is a hard matchup for a lot of people. They have a hell of a defense, and they had, they had been playing with a lot of swagger. And the Chiefs just they, – they took the punch on the mouth with the two picks and the, the big sack and, you know, the, a couple big plays by the Dolphins' defense, and, and they, just, they just had enough. They, just, they still found the way to win, and that's kind of been – at least for the last five games that have all been by a single score, that's been the formula is that the chiefs just are a better team than the, op- the opposition. And even though the opposition can put together a good game plan, and even though they can catch some breaks and even though the refs can screw the chiefs over and, you know, even though Ender can fight two armies at once, it's still, it's just not enough. I know that some people are itching for the chiefs to blow somebody out and i'm not gonna lie i yeah, also wish the chiefs would blow somebody out because it's fun to watch uh, our team blow people out it's uh it's much <laughs> it's less stressful relaxing. yeah okay sure. it's relaxing it's chill you're just like i just want a chill sunday where we win by 30 and i don't have to worry about anything that would be awesome but 
you know, the team that was doing that last year was the Baltimore Ravens. And the Baltimore Ravens went 14 and two. And after they started the year two and two with losses to the chiefs and the Browns, you know, they rattled off 12 straight wins and they were blowing people out. I mean, they, they were putting up, they had like record breaking point differentials. They had a month of that season where they literally like, they had like multiple 30 point wins in a row, I think. Yep. And listen, that's cool, but it's not sustainable, right? Like, you gotta, you gotta, number one, you gotta hold some stuff back for the playoffs, whether that be from a, a like just a, an energy perspective, like a bullets perspective, whether it's yeah. play calling, you know, whether it's reps for your guys, getting them rest, your starters, whatever it is, you can't play to win regular season games by 30 in a 16 game season and still have enough juice to go and win a Super Bowl at the end. You, you just can't do it. Ooh, I, how about I, this? This sounds like a boomer take, but what about battle-tested? Sure. What about not being in a late-game scenario where you're down or you're tied or you're barely up, and the Ravens just were not tested? They just sure. weren't challenged. And the moment the Titans came out in the playoffs and hit them in the mouth, they folded. And, and that, I don't know. I started off by saying it's kind of a boomer mentality just because – a lot of that is is sort of narrative-y that I don't really know how much I believe in. But I do think that in this case, that's probably a pretty valid um, point. Yeah, I mean, I posted a similar take on Sunday, and I did it somewhat facetiously. But, like, uh, the Chiefs do have a lot of experience in close Tons. games. Tons. Close late games. And part of that too is, much. Part of that is their own doing. But you know what? There is some value to having reps in those situations because – there's nothing that you can do in practice. You can simulate, you know, it's four minutes. We've got the ball. We're up. We just need to kill clock and kick a field goal. You can simulate that in your run throughs on Friday, but there is some real value to getting real game reps where the other team is trying to win too. And you're playing against the most talented players in the world and not the guys on your practice squad or your second stringers on defense. There's some value to that. Well, and it's kind of Royals-esque again. Yeah, that where, you know, if a team comes back over and over again, eventually the next time they're down, they're not saying, shit, how do we come back? They're saying, ha, got them right where we want them. And right. that's that's how this Chiefs team feels. They just feel like when the going gets tough, they just turn it on. And it's I'd rather have that than folding for sure. The Chiefs are 12 and one for the first time in franchise history, whether you like the way that some of these wins look or not it's really, really hard to be 12 and one. The chiefs have been playing football for 60 plus years. They've never done it until this year. And this is, this is actually, this is the 60th season of chiefs football. And this is the first time they've ever gone 12 and one in a football season. So it's pretty amazing. Straight 12 win seasons, at least under Patrick Mahomes, first three years starting just remarkable. I mean, the, the winning, you know, forget all the all the style points and all that stuff. The winning games is what matters. That's the only thing people will remember the Patriots by. Sure, they had the 2007-2008 run where they were insane. But in general, they don't care if they won every game by one point or 100 points. You just win. And that's what the Chiefs are doing. It's it's It'll work. I'll take it all day. So we've got one of our recurring segments. What is, what is happening? happening? And we got to just start off here with, I mean, we're not going to beat around the bush or bury the lead here. The bills beat the Steelers Taylor. Yeah. 15. 
on Sunday Night Football, the Chiefs have the one seed. Mm. Uh, let's talk about the implications <laughs> of, the implication. of that of that victory because of the implication. The implication now, Taylor, is the Chiefs have the number one seed. There's only one. There's only one number one seed. There's only one buy attached to that number one seed in this seven game play our 17 playoff format and the chiefs now not only do they own the tiebreaker over the Steelers if they had the same record because the Steelers now have lost to the bills which is a common opponent that the chiefs beat the chiefs ran their slate of common opponents and the Steelers did not they lost to the bills not only did the chiefs have the tiebreaker but they also have now a better record so they're a game ahead of the Steelers in the standings and they also have the tiebreaker of the Steelers pretty good place to be Pretty great place to be. So there is basically one prize you can win in the regular season. One. And that, and especially one this year, which is a first round buy in the playoffs. There's nothing else that can be gained. You know, the, the jockeying of positions between the two and the seven seed at the end of the day is academic because at the end of the day, you're still going to have to play in the same round as everybody else. But the one seed gets a free playoff. Win. That is a tangible prize that no other team in the AFC, the Chiefs now have, according to the ESPN Football Power Index, a 95% chance of holding on to that one seat. So not only do they have it, but with three weeks to go, it's locked. I mean, that thing, that would have to be a collapse by the Chiefs to not not finish as the one. So the Chiefs are looking at having the biggest advantage that a playoff team can have after the regular season. And that's all you can ask for. All the other stuff doesn't really matter. What matters is positioning to go get another ring. And they've done that as, as well as anybody could possibly ask so far. Yeah. I mean, you tweeted this out earlier today, but the chiefs can clinch the one seed in a number of different ways. Now that they have the game up on Pittsburgh and the loss to Buffalo, which was huge. That was the game. You know, if the Steelers are going to drop one game the rest of the way, and they may drop more, looks like they probably will the way they're playing right now. But if they were just going to drop one game, the Bills was by far the best game for them to drop, and they dropped it. So the Chargers, if the Chiefs beat the Chargers in Week 17 and beat either the Saints or the Falcons, they only need to win one of the two, that would clinch the one seed. No matter what the Steelers do. So no matter what the Steelers the Chargers do. Chargers win and one of the other two, and they've got it. If they beat any one of their three remaining opponents, Saints, Falcons, or Chargers, and the Steelers lose any of their three remaining games, and they still play the Browns, they still play the Colts. Both of whom are very, yeah, sure. Right. The, the, uh, gosh, who is it? Brandon Allen, the Brandon Allen Bengals. Sure. I mean, it could happen, but but they they have two hard games. Colts and Browns are both playoff teams. They're both very, very difficult matchups for the Steelers. And so if the Steelers drop one more game and finish 13 and three, the chiefs just need to win one game, finish 13 and three, and they win the tiebreaker and they get the one seed, or we get two more Steelers losses and a Another well, loss by Buffalo. Yep. And, and that's because the Chiefs could lose out. They can actually finish the year 12 and four. And if the Steelers lose two, they're tied and we've got the tiebreaker. And if Buffalo loses one more, we have the tiebreaker head to head over Buffalo as well. All three teams would finish 12 and four in that case. And this, so, I mean, the, the Chiefs don't need to run the table far from it. They, they just really need to pick up a couple wins and, let the rest take care of itself. And it looks, I mean, that's a, that's a great path to have after 13 games. That is about as easy of a situation. You basically can't clinch it after 13 mathematically. There's just too many, you know, 
too many variables and stuff, but this is as close to that 95% scenario. So it's a great time to be a Chiefs fan going into the playoffs right now. They've got to, they've got to feel great about their ability to rest in potentially. I don't know what they're going to do in week 17, because let's say they do clinch it in week 16. Let's say they, the Steelers drop one more and they could clinch it to this weekend. They could, the Steelers they could. lose they to could, the Bengals, yeah. which they won't, but if they did and the chiefs beat the saints, or even if the chiefs beat the saints and then next weekend, the Steelers lose to the Colts. Now the chiefs are looking at going into a week 17 meaningless game against the chargers and then a bye week after that. So it's very interesting to see if they would do a, like a half of the starters and then bench everybody in the second half when they know that it doesn't matter. Maybe they're looking to get Tyree, I mean, Travis Kelsey, the reception yards leader. <laughs> and so maybe they play. I thought him. you were going to say, maybe they're looking to get Travis Kelsey, a passing touchdown or that, which they've tried <laughs> two times unsuccessfully. And Andy said, we'll get it. We'll, you know, we'll figure it out. So uh, yeah, maybe they want to screw around and just let, you know, let the guys kind of go out there and have fun. But either way, um, it's a very, very, very good situation. Andy's obviously great off the bye. Everything is lining up for the Chiefs to have two home games before the Super Bowl, which is just, I mean, there's no, no better place to be. Yeah, two home games, by the way, in a season where there is no other powerhouse team in the AFC except for you. You're it. Yeah. The second best team in the AFC is probably the Bills, Buffalo. and yeah. the Chiefs already beat them convincingly in Buffalo. And now <laughs> you're telling me all we have to do is beat them at home and beat somebody else, assuming that they make it out of the first round, and we're going to the Super Bowl again? You kidding me? Yep. That's amazing. It's, yep. it's, it's a great situation to be in. It is, and the Chiefs will be able to kind of test their mettle against the best the NFC has to offer, whether that's the Packers or the Saints. Clearly, the Saints are a great, great team, and they can kind of get a measuring stick of that this week. And it's just, it's all it's all lining up. Let's go ahead and transition from what is, oh, before we, before we do that. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about with what is happening is the Browns and the uh, Ravens game that was on Monday night. Which oh, was, sure. I, I don't know if how much of it you watched or how plugged in you were, but I know personally, um, I was bored and watched the whole game, and it was a very, very thrilling game. 45 oh, 42. Um, I needed in one of my fantasy leagues, I needed Lamar to have 40 points. That's the reason I was watching. He had 38, and then inexplicably, they just said, hey, Lamar's not out here right now. Does any, you know, like, I don't see him on the sidelines. And then the camera cuts and Lamar is, is doing the trot back to the locker room, kind of wobbling, not, no trainers around him. And the rumors started flying that Lamar had to go take a dump in the middle of the game. And I just, I lost it because I needed him to score every point. And he came two points short of my playoff victory. But uh, well, you funny. should have known better than to trust Lamar in the playoffs. I, I, nice. Yes, he is still, still winless in the playoffs. Uh, but he defeated the Browns twice that night, so that was pretty good. He sure did. Uh, that was also an interesting game for the Las Vegas Raiders, who really it needed, was. who really needed the Ravens to fall to the Browns and almost did. But uh, I don't know if you saw David Carr's predictions. Oh. Oh yeah. He's over one and he's about to be, he did predict, I think two easy ones on there. I think he had Miami over the Patriots and then the Browns, or, I mean the Ravens over the Jags. And so those two are going to happen, but yeah, all but the, the, Ra- the Raiders winning out, they're definitely guaranteed to lose out now that he predicted they're going to win out. And the, the Ravens losing to the giants. He's just, 
he's a clown, man. He's berserk, man. He's berserk. Yeah. He yeah. he just like you could hear the guy on NFL Network. He's like, I yeah. see where this is Will going. Yeah, it's like sure. it's like a joke, but it's yeah. not a joke. It's like you're gonna pick the Raiders to make the playoffs out of these three teams, and uh, it just. It's preposterous is what it is. But that really hurt the Raiders' playoff chances. They're now down to, I think, about a 15% chance to make the playoffs. They're not going to make it. It might yeah, as well be generous. a 0% chance. Yep. 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 Just ridiculous. we got a mailbag question before we get into our preview for Chief Saints. Okay. And it's from our man, Justin Rorell. It's <laughs> a little bit of a callback joke there. Justin R. Orell. Any down and distance on Twitter, one of our birds of war. Ka-ka! Question for the pod. After finding out how much Broncos fans hate Travis Kelsey, who are your most and least hated rival players? For example, I could never bring myself to hate Peyton Manning or Shannon Sharp. On the flip side, I can't imagine I'll ever be able to stand Big Ben, Derek Carr, or Phillip Rivers. The Phillip Rivers, the Derek Carr, they're definitely high on the list. Phillip Rivers, for me, would have been number one by far back in the days when he was actually beating the chiefs on a, you know, semi-regular basis. He is a, he just is very punchable. He's, he's very, he's very obnoxious. I, I just, I don't like him. Now I did a little bit of a pivot on Philip rivers when he started just losing to us all the time, you know, yeah. late career Philip rivers, who was just like, I'm going to throw a pick. You guys are going to win the game. That was fun. I, I enjoyed do my stink face in the in the, the face, press yes. fra- press conference. Yeah, he was he was a lot of fun there towards the end. Agreed. He was he was. So I I did a little bit of an about face on there. Derek Carr still hate him. Uh, who are your nominees for this this uh, question? The very first person I thought of was Raider safety Jonathan Abram. That oh, was just right off the that's right off the one. list. He talks mad shit and he can't back any of it up. He is the worst graded safety in football. He's the most penalized safety in football. He's he plays with his emotions and not in a good way. Um, just very very hateable. Very easy. I mean that was that was like instant slam dunk answer there. What about you? Yeah, I would say Jonathan Abram is a great one. I mean he's a he's a dirty player and a bad player, and the only thing he's good at is hitting people before the ball gets to them yes. or after the whistle. So yes. uh, those are both things that I find extremely grating, extremely aggravating about him for sure. I mean, as far as current division rivals, it's tough because we don't really have any division rivals. They, they don't ex- really make us mad because they, they lose to us all the they time. They exist, but the rivalry isn't really popping right now. Yeah. I think Jonathan Abram is a good one because even though his team – isn't really threatening us. They are the last AFC West team to beat us. He threatens the safety of our players. So that's like a, that's like an enduring hatred for sure. Even when they're not competitive on the field, they're, they're a risk to us. And that's, that's, that's gross. How do you feel about Keenan Allen? Uh, Keenan Allen is a clown. And uh, I mean, you talked about it with Abram and, and I'm going to throw another name into the ring along with Keenan Allen in the same mold. And that's Cortland Sutton. These are the guys in the division who, who just have an inflated idea of their own importance and their team's <laughs> position in the competitive yeah. bouts. I mean, yeah. Keenan Allen was the one who, before the 2019 season, yep. which I don't know if you remember this, but the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. I, I do remember that. Uh, he, uh, he was asked about the uh, Chiefs in a preseason press conference, and he said, uh, well, you know, we just talk about their DB group, and that's all I have to say implying that Charvarius Ward and Bashad Breland and Tyra Matthew and Juan Thornhill and Super Dan Sanderson 
were not a, a DB group to be feared and that uh, they were in fact so bad that we would have, uh, you know, that the Chargers would have nothing to fear. You know, I think he probably was just thinking too much of Steven Nelson. He probably was just thinking to all the times he dusted him and was just like, their DBs That's aren't fair. very good because he always matched up with Steven Nelson and always yeah. won. So, That's I mean, fair. he probably was just doing that. And then the next year when they came out and they sent Steven Nelson packing, he was like, damn, that was really fun. You know, that probably has something to do with it. And then Cortland Sutton, uh, he was asked about the Chiefs last year. Now he didn't get to play the Chiefs this year because he got hurt. RIP, one of my dynasty teams, yeah. where he was one of my top receivers. Uh, he was asked about the Chiefs before that snow game that they played last year. And he was asked about the Chiefs after the game. And he was like, I don't think we're that far apart. You know, like, are they really that much better than us? No. I mean, no. I think that was the exact quote. And they asked him, you know, if uh, losing the Chiefs stung. And he's like, yeah, man, I hate the Chiefs. Like, fuck <laughs> the Chiefs, basically, was the subtext there. It's like, bro, like, who, who even are you? What you're, you've been in the, the league two or three years. You're a pretty good player, but like, eh, you've never beaten the chiefs. Just eh, get it, get out of here. Stop, stop talking spec. Yep. That's a uh, pretty easy group to hate there. I've always hated Tom Brady. It did say rival sure, players and yeah. there's a million reasons to hate Brady that no one even really has to hear because they know them all. Also, he's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> he is a weirdo that kisses kids on the mouth. And yeah, he's, he's never eaten a strawberry. He's berserk. Um, I believe you mentioned when we were talking about this earlier, a kicker that would make the list. Ah, uh, yes. I did forget to mention my kicker candidate and that is Brandon McManus. <laughs> I did appreciate Brandon McManus coming still out at you for that. Uh, <laughs> they do occasionally, uh, yeah. occasionally Broncos fans at me to let me know when he's done something good. No one, no one tweeted me about Brandon McManus's performance this weekend until Brandon McManus tweeted Brandon McManus sucked this week and somebody did, somebody did tag me on that tweet, which I appreciated. He missed two extra points this week. So he did in fact suck. He actually has always sucked. Uh, Let you in on a little secret when he signed his extension. I did a a little Brandon McManus mini thread. Guess what guys, Brandon McManus, not that good. And uh, I, I, whenever you've got specialists that like, I don't know, have any kind of virtual presence whatsoever. Like if they tweet, if you're a kicker and you tweet, get out of here. Come on. Like Brandon McManus, I appreciated the fact that you admitted that you sucked this week, but you've always sucked. All right. You're, King. You're, you're a kicker and you're not very good. Yeah, Mark, Marquette King. Marquette King would be another sucked. good example. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, he was good Raider at and Bronco. He was good at kicking the ball to Tyreek Hill. So, he was. you know, that, that's we were always thankful for that. Well, Taylor, that brings us to our final segment, and that is our game preview, Chiefs versus Saints. We're recording this on a Wednesday, and so there are some things that are still kind of up in the air. Number one is the status of the Saints quarterback. Yeah, Drew Brees, is. Uh, they, he was cleared to come off of the IR and practice today, which is a good first step, but as Sean Payton noted today, he has a long ways to go. He might get there by Sunday. He might not. Um, he had those like 6 million shattered ribs when the 49ers. Yeah. The majority of his ribs were shattered. 
Yeah, which is insane. And he had a punctured lung. He tried to play through it. He couldn't do it. I have nothing but respect and admiration for Drew Brees. I think he is he has been a phenomenal quarterback in his career. His numbers might be a little inflated by having some crappy defenses, but he's a d- good dude and has always just been – he's never stood in the Chiefs' way. So, I mean, he did a little bit in San Diego. But um, in general, I, I like him. But his status is uncertain. And if he doesn't play, then Taysom Hill – who has been an absolutely fascinating study, will get the start again. He's been 3-1. and one. He did just lose his most recent game to the Eagles. Uh, I know you have tons of Taysom Hill takes. What are, you, what are your thoughts about seeing him against the Chiefs this weekend? I would like to see him because Same. I like Taysom Hill as a – as an entity, I think yeah, he's as an idea. Yeah. I have some shares of him in a lot of different fantasy leagues. I famously played him at quarterback <laughs> in his first start in our dynasty league. And he carried me to a victory. I, yeah, shredded. I had some stones. It was great, but it's a weird position for the chiefs to be in because obviously they are extremely different quarterbacks. Yep. And from a game planning perspective, you've got to think that the chiefs are probably focused on Taysom Hill just because I think it he's the seems, more likely starter. Yeah, yeah, it seems right now that he's the more likely starter. But, man, it's really hard to game plan, I imagine, when you don't know if it's going to be Drew Brees or Taysom Hill. They couldn't be more different. Uh, Taysom Hill's got a big arm. He can run the football. He, I don't want to say he's primarily a runner, but certainly that's a big aspect of his game. Drew Brees, with a bunch of cracked ribs, is not going to run, <laughs> and he can throw the ball about 15 yards down the field right now. So it just is a completely different game plan uh, depending on which quarterback you're facing. And I don't know, I, I don't have, you know, the insider knowledge that it would take to be able to tell you what the game preparation is like in a week like that, where you're, you're not sure who's going to start a quarterback and they're, they're totally different polar opposites. Yeah. But I would imagine that they probably have two game plans and they're probably spending a little bit of time on each game plan. I mean, at least when you know, you know, right? Like when the starter Mm -hmm. is announced and, and Drew Brees comes out, it's like, all right, well, we don't have to worry about the quarterback running and we don't have to worry about him throwing it more than 20 yards down the field. So, you know, scrap those parts of the game plan. That's no longer relevant. Go out and play. Fortunately, we do have an example this season of the Chiefs game planning for a rushing quarterback and getting a throwing quarterback thrown at them at the last second. And that was week two against the Chargers when uh, Tyrod Taylor was supposed to be the quarterback until the Chargers charged so hard that they punctured his lung. Yeah, like five minutes before the game. And they found out they had a dope rookie quarterback in Justin Herbert, and the Chiefs came into that thing expecting one entirely different quarterback than the one that they got. And this time around – I do think that the more difficult player to prepare for, I guess I don't know. I'm not I'm not a professional by any means. I would think it would be Drew Brees, just based on the different looks that like I feel like Taysom Hill is pretty one dimensional. Now he might be good at that one dimension, but I don't think it takes a ton of mental reps to prepare for Taysom Hill. And Brees is the most accurate quarterback in NFL history. He will utilize Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara a ton more than what Taysom Hill has so far. So Taysom Hill kind of sucks all the offense into himself. He does throw the ball, but like every play is basically a run by him or a little dump off. And Drew Brees spreads that thing around. He gets one of the best receivers in the game involved. He gets one of the best running backs in the game involved. And I, I think that even though he's a little bit more physically limited, I just feel like that game plan would be better suited to beat a team like the Chiefs 
than the Taysom Hill one. I mean, if, if the Saints offense falters like they did against Philadelphia this last weekend, they're not going to have the bullets to hang with the Chiefs. And I do think that if, if Drew Brees is in, in under center, I think they have a lot better of a chance of moving the ball down the field. But I guess we'll see. It's going to be very, very interesting for sure. Yeah, another interesting thing to keep an eye on uh, with respect to the injury situation that's still very much up in the air as we record this and may change by the time you've had a chance to edit this podcast and distribute it to our loyal fans is the Chiefs offensive line, which uh, is um, in a it's not a good situation. Uh, Eric Fisher did not practice today. He has a back injury. Uh, Obviously, Rimmers is he's out. Uh, Mitch Schwartz is still out. So we're talking about potentially both the Chiefs starting tackles being unavailable for this game and then their backup tackle that they were playing last week also being unavailable. And so I'm not really sure if Rammers can't go and Fisher can't go. I'm not sure who the Chiefs are going to play at tackle. Um, the I, good thing New Orleans is only the second-rated DVOA defense in the, in the league. Yeah, yeah it, it's a tough situation. Um, now, the Chiefs do have – Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes does this cool thing where, you know, he just like drops back, you know, 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage and then he throws the ball super deep and that mitigates the pass rush a little bit. But man, the Chiefs interior offensive line has been bad pretty much all year. The tackles have been injured. I mean, ever since shorts went down, you know, right tackle was a little bit of a revolving door. Um, and Fisher was really the only consistent stalwart piece on that offensive line if he can't go uh that's gonna be a problem it's gonna be a problem it is it's a it's not a good matchup for the Chiefs offense against the Saints defense in that regard fortunately like you said they have the horses to overcome it it wouldn't be good if it was season ending stuff um I think for a game or two they can piece stuff together even even against a good defense just because of the talent at the receivers with Tyreek and Travis and obviously with Mahomes um and I think that if the Saints offense is, I want to say, limited with Taysom Hill, then I don't think the Chiefs offense is going to need to keep pace as much. So hopefully it's not a problem. It's, it's certainly concerning. It's certainly something that you don't want to see in a matchup against what's, who's probably the best matchup on, or the best opponent on paper that the Chiefs will face this year. Um, but again, like you said, through Patrick, all things are possible and he's just going to go ahead and make it work anyways, like he has his entire career so far. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I don't really see it being a shootout. I, I think that uh, both offenses are going to struggle for those reasons. I'm going to go like, I'm going to go like 24, 17 chiefs. I think it's going to be more low scoring than you'd expect from these two teams. I like where you're going with that, but I think the chiefs find, you say 24 to 17. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go 27 to 17. I think the chiefs defense comes out and plays a good game. I like the progress they should against the dolphins. I think the chiefs offense does enough. I, I mean, I think this is one of those weeks where Patrick Mahomes reminds everybody that, yeah, I mean, I threw three picks last week, but I'm, I'm still the most valuable player in the NFL. I'm the the best player in the NFL. And uh, it doesn't matter if I have an offensive line or not. I think he, uh, I think he comes out and have a great game. Now that's a a safe prediction to make every week. I feel like this is going to be a vintage Patrick Mahomes performance. And uh, I got to tell you, Pat, if you're listening, I am counting on it. 
in my cutthroat matchup. So come through for me, buddy. As long as he throws to Tyreek and Travis, that's all I care about. <laughs>